Hello and welcome back to another episode of Understanding Health. I'm your host, Liv Whistler, your guide into all things nutrition and functional medicine as we dive into physiology and lifestyle change, all to help you understand health better. Hello, hello, everyone. It has been a minute since I have recorded a podcast, but I am here. You know, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep going with this podcast, but I thought, you know what? If I can spread a little more information about functional medicine and just push people and bettering their health, then I'm going to show up. I'm going to do this. Um, If you appreciate this podcast, please let me know because then I'll keep making them. Um, So today I just thought, you know, let's talk about GI issues, the gut issues, the intestinal issues, because I feel like so many people, including myself, have struggled with their gut. All over social media, um, I feel like you're always seeing these things about how to help, little nice remedies and things like that, and everyone has their own perspective on what works for them. IBS is a common, common diagnosis that people get or even self-diagnose with. And so I'm not going to go into specific diseases today. However, I kind of wanted to do an overview of all the GI dysfunction from a functional medicine lens. And then maybe further down the line, we can break it down into different actual GI conditions and a way a functional medicine person would treat it. Now, I also have some really exciting news. I've actually accepted a position working in a functional medicine clinic. I am beyond, beyond excited. Literally my dream job. Now, I'm not working as a practitioner yet. I still have some school I need to finish, but I'm in the building. I'm getting to see how everything functions and I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited and can't wait to share a little bit more about that hopefully in the future. But let's dive right in. Today I'm doing the podcast without a script. I normally take hours and hours to write a word for word script on what I'm going to say. But you know, today I decided we're just going to go off the whim. I've got um, my notes pulled up from school in front of me and I, I feel like I can, I can do this. So hopefully, hopefully it goes well. So when we're looking at GI dysfunction with the functional medicine lens, we've got the IFM clinical matrix. Now, the Institute for Functional Medicine stands for IFM, and that is who I am trained with. So depending on your functional medicine practitioner's training, they might do it a little bit different, but this is how how I would go through it with how I was trained. So I'm going to be giving you two acronyms today to kind of give you an overview of how the functional medicine perspective will go about treating a GI issue. The first one is the 4R, or some people call it the 5R program. And that goes a little like this. The first R is remove. The second R is replace. The third R stands for re-inoculate. The fourth is for repair. And the optional fifth one is for rebalance. Keep that in mind. I'm going to teach you the second acronym, which is dig in pattern recognition. The first D in dig in stands for digestion or absorption. I stands for intestinal permeability. G is for gut microbiota. The fourth I is for inflammation or immune. And the N stands for nervous system. Now, let's just think big picture here about the whole GI system. It is so, so important because... It is what comes in contact in comes in contact internally with the outside world. Everything that you're ingesting is from the outside world, and then your body has to work to what digest and absorb and give you nutrients. I mean, it's such an important part of our of our body system, and it goes from top to bottom. And whatever is on the outside world, it's what is coming in contact. So that right there is so important. 
In fact, Hippocrates, the famous ancient Greek physician, is known to be saying all disease begins in the gut. The gut is central. When in doubt, treat the gut. Even if there's not necessarily GI symptoms, we're we're going to be a little curious about the gut because it's just so it's so interconnected with everything that's going on, and if you don't have a healthy gut, you're not going to have a healthy body. So this is so so central in and treating in any sort of disease or any sort of dysfunction and having a healthy lifestyle. Now, something that's been really interesting to me is just seeing how how many people really have GI issues. I mean, all the way up from, from GERD, that's a GI issue. Um, constipation, how many people are constipated nowadays. Um, you know, heartburn, that's along with GERD. We've got IBS. IBS is so prevalent on social media. There's like the saying that all hot girls have IBS. Um, that I think is often... It's so, so oftenly diagnosed by physicians and self-diagnosed. I mean, you've got gut issues and you don't know what's going on. You maybe say I have IBS. Um, I myself have struggled with gut issues. People have so many allergies, sensitivities, lactose intolerance, gluten sensitivities, celiac. There are just so, so many things. Now, when we're looking at, at why, why are so many people having these, these gut issues nowadays, um, there's something we call antecedents. Maybe you've heard me say that term before. It's simply a word that kind of means what is predisposing people to having all of these gut issues. Now, one is obviously genetics. Um, if you have a family history, then you're more likely to, to develop that. Maybe you need to be more intentional about, about protecting your gut health. You know, other things are... Um, past treatments or past medications that can actually that can actually contribute or predispose you towards having a having an imbalance in your gut um, things like NSAIDs so like ibuprofen just medications like that um, and a lot of alcohol in- intake can actually increase large bowel permeability um, we've got maybe you're not having enough fiber that's going to increase your risk of constipation antibiotics are a really big one and unfortunately they are extremely heavily prescribed in today's age we're thankful for antibiotics because they do save lives but more and more people are actually becoming resistant to antibiotics because it's also in our meat it's in our chickens it's in um everything (laughs) so many things have antibiotics in it and we're being prescribed them so often and the really sad thing about antibiotics is that it destroys your gut microbiome so all those healthy bugs and your gut you're probably familiar with this term by now um that that's really protective for us and unfortunately um when we have a lot of antibiotics it will get rid of a lot of those good gut bugs um so that's another thing c-sections and um going with formula instead of breastfeeding is another interesting one um this is obviously once again no shame on any moms who did that i'm i'm kind of sadly switching gwen my daughter over to a little bit of formula to supplement but um when you're born by c-section you don't get all of those microbes that come from the woman's vaginal canal i know a little tmi but that is um that's going to prime that baby with those good those good gut bugs so something that i've actually heard someone mention once again i'm doing this without notes so i'm just throwing this out there they at one point i saw that someone was i don't even know how they did it but basically they were able to take the mom's uh, those good bacteria and actually put it on the baby after a c-section so if you're someone who's gonna have to have a c-section or you know maybe you know you've had one before look into that if you if you want to help prime your baby the best that you can um given your situation with good gut bugs 
Another thing interesting that I've already mentioned once about um, breast milk is that it does have, it has like good bacteria in it. So when we eliminate both of those things, um, we are maybe predisposing as, as a child um, to have more gut issues. Now, does that mean you are doomed to get gut issues if you were born or fed that way? Or, you know, maybe you had to do that for your child? No, not, not, absolutely not. But that's just something we're going to be asking you because, this add up of things over time can maybe predispose or is an antecedent towards it. Um, so yeah, just even looking at how you were born is something that as functional medicine practitioners, we're going to be interested in. We want to know your whole life story. Okay, maybe not that much, but yes, we're interested in even those those littlest those littlest things there. So let's kind of dive in a little bit more to the 4R or 5R program when it comes to treating a gut issue. Now, I also want to note here, depending on if you have been diagnosed with a certain condition, yes, these things I think would help everyone, but sometimes we can get a little more specific of like if someone has Crohn's disease and autoimmune condition, maybe there's a few more things we can focus on because of what we already know about that condition. However, this is kind of an overview. Also, Another thing that I've found really interesting is as I've gotten to know more and more functional medicine practitioners, as I've done more schooling by different people through different programs, people have different opinions about medicine and that's, you know, on how to treat these sort of things. So I'm going to give an overview. Maybe you don't agree with it. Maybe you haven't heard um, this specific uh, specific thing. And I think, I think the reason that is, is just because data just isn't always clear, um, but these are things that we know we have helped people in the past. So the first one, that's the first R is remove. So we're going to remove all allergenic foods and pathogenic organisms. So things like, you know, people may have H. pylori, people may have Giardias. These are sort of gut uh, little bugs that can cause you issues. Maybe there's a parasite going on. These are sometimes things that conventional doctors don't always look at, but we might do a test for it, make sure there's nothing that's that we want to remove and take care of that. Another thing is removing allergenic foods or intolerances. The gold standard for that, unfortunately, is an elimination diet. We can do a finger prick test to kind of see if you have something called IgG, which is kind of like an immune reaction towards something, um, which is which is very helpful. However, it's not, sometimes things don't show up. Maybe it's an IgA reaction. IgE reactions, I know I'm getting a little complicated here, but an IgE reaction is kind of that traditional allergy that you think of when we think of um, hives or your throat's closing, you need an EpiPen. Those are, those are the more dangerous reactions that are very immediate versus those IgG, that stands for immunoglobulin G. Those those can sometimes take 24 hours to show up. So it is very, very difficult to figure out what's going on and what is actually the trigger food. So when you remove all of these things, an elimination diet, you're going to remove gluten, you're going to remove dairy, all of those common those common triggers that we see, and then slowly retest one at a time. It's pretty complicated. Not, it's not complicated. It's very difficult sometimes to do. You got to have, you know, you have to really be motivated because you can't cheat on this because once you eat that, that trigger food, if you don't do it in the right way, you're not going to know if that's a potential trigger for you. So that's kind of a more intensive thing. 
So an elimination diet is often a treatment of choice for a functional medicine provider. We're going to get rid of the things that are potentially triggering your body. When I say triggering, um, just anything that you're intolerant to. And as I said, that can be very difficult to figure out until you've really taken it out of the diet for a long period of time. And it can even give you things like sinus issues, a cough. I mean, the list of symptoms can go on and on. Headaches is another one. It's not just gut issues. But if you have gut issues elimination diet we're going to get rid of some of the common triggers might also do that finger prick to see if there's anything else that's more uncommon that's maybe triggering you um and we're going to maybe remove uh, not maybe we'll probably ask you to remove uh refined sugars um what else we're going to remove just we're going to put in more easily digestible foods all preservatives maybe processed foods okay this is a this is a pretty strict diet we may ask you to go on and now let's talk about this for a minute. I don't have notes today. I wasn't planning on talking about talking about this, but let's talk about diet culture. Okay, this is controversial. And as a functional medicine pro- provider, I might ask you to go on a very strict diet. That that's not really trendy nowadays. And diet culture, eliminating diet culture, once again, it's on social media. It's great. I 100% think it's great that we're trying to quote unquote eliminate diet culture. But what does that really mean? I think the good part of this is we have young women, young ladies, young, maybe even young children, girls, and now even men who think, I don't, they don't like the way they look, they're not happy with themselves, and people maybe develop eating disorders, um, we restrict, restrict foods, maybe then they go on a restrict and binge cycle, and it's not healthy. It's not healthy for us when we're, when we're doing this maybe for for self-appearance reasons, and it's mentally stressful. We're not doing it for health. We're doing it for other reasons. Maybe it's a coping mechanism. Um, yeah, so I, I 100% approve of removing diet diet culture, I guess, is the term that people are using. And I, if you're a young person thinking you need to lose weight, let's let's not do a restrict diet. Let's We have to have a more holistic holistic perspective. And I think another thing about this mentally is when we just try to restrict all these things in order to lose weight, it, it can be pretty difficult when instead we can focus on adding helpful, healthy things into our diet. And it doesn't have to be this extreme this extreme effort that's going to be really, really hard to accomplish and complete. So that's one perspective, and I agree with that. However, as I mentioned, as a functional medicine writer, you may be asked to do a strict diet. Wait, what, what a sec, what, that doesn't make any sense that we're trying to get rid of diet culture, right? Well, the body needs to heal. And unfortunately, even though it's been, you know, everything in moderation, you know, and I I agree, but when someone's at a point of extreme illness and sickness, if that's extreme, then maybe we need to take more extreme measures to heal and to give your body a break and to really figure out what's going on. And so, you know, people do these strict diets and it really helps them. And I think these are these people who can also be very passionate about a certain diet because it's helped them feel so much better. And now they're going to tell everyone, hey, you need to do this diet because it really helped me. Um, so I do think there's there's a healthy middle. And maybe you're someone who just isn't struggling with an extreme illness, but you want to get healthy. Okay, I would 100% support. Don't go on an extreme diet. Focus on adding in healthful, healthy foods, healthful, it's kind of a word I've made up, but things that are nourishing, fruits and vegetables, add them in, maybe do the 80-20 approach of, you know, doing your um, unhealthy things that you like less often, slowly coming off of them. 
the better you'll feel, feel and it will become a lifestyle over time. This thing with these extreme diets is it's not a lifestyle. It's not meant to be something that you continue forever because you you know you can't live your whole life never enjoying a birthday cake again. You're in social situation. That's when it becomes mentally stressful. That's also not healthy for you. So this is a kind of a long rant. Um, but yes, it's awesome that we're getting rid of diet culture. I never want a young girl to feel, um, to feel like she's not good enough and not, not worthy of, of love. Maybe, you know, there's so many different things that go in that, um, food, food is, is an interesting thing. It's, it's enjoyment with friends, it's culture, it's, it is a socializing thing, but it's also medicine. It's not just energy. So it's not just the amount you eat. It's also what you eat that's going to determine how you feel. Um, so yeah, as, as a, as a provider, we maybe are going to ask you to take things out depending on your level of sickness. So yeah, (laughs) the strict diet there, um, elimination diet is very strict short term. Um, and it, and it's to help you feel better. So there's my little, as I said, my little rant on that. I'm going to move on to the next, um, the next R (laughs) of the program, but maybe, maybe let you know, let me know what you think about that, because I don't think too many people are talking about the benefits maybe of going on a diet short term for health reasons. And I would be curious to know, to know your opinion. So the next R in the program is replace. We're talking about replacing things that you are specifically deficient in. Now, this isn't necessarily gut specific, but most of the time you're going to get a full blood panel. And that's going to tell us if you have some high inflammation, what your, you know, cholesterol looks like, and most importantly, what you're deficient in with your vitamins and minerals. Now, the interesting thing about this is is that when you're deficient, you're going to need to take a supplement, maybe a higher dose therapeutic supplement for a short period of time in order to get those levels up and healthy. So in this phase, most often we're going to put you on some vitamin and minerals, the ones that you specifically need. Um, You might also need to take HCL or personally, I needed to start taking some digestive enzymes because my pancreatic elastase was low. And we do this by looking at a stool sample. Yes, um a poop sample and it will tell you what pathogens you maybe have. It can also give you an example of your gut microbiota. Now that's that's pretty, um, there's different opinions on gut microbiota analysis and which test is the best and all this stuff. We'll get into that another day. Um, but personally, I had low pancreatic lactase, so then I could replace with digestive enzymes. So that was super helpful for me and my quote-unquote gut healing journey. Um, We might also give you some herbal supports or just maybe some glutamine if you've struggled with your gut lining. I mean, there's so many different things that we're going to replace for you specifically. The next part is re-inoculate or repopulate. So this is where we're mostly talking about prebiotics, probiotics, and dietary changes. I did a class with a probiotic and prebiotic researcher, and he was very opinionated about how probiotics need to be strain-specific and all this different stuff, and only specific strains actually help repopulate your gut bacteria um, off of memory. One called Lactobacillus rominus GG is one that actually can help repopulate your gut bacteria, and a lot of times prebiotics can actually help feed the beneficial bacteria that are already there and help them grow as well as dietary changes when you're eating lots of sugar and processed foods that's just going to encourage the growth of unhealthy organisms so in this sort of repopulate, re-inoculate quote-unquote um 
program, part of the program, we're going to making sure that your gut is getting the good gut bacteria that they need because this is a huge part of your gut health. And these gut bacteria do so many things. In fact, there's actually more of them, I believe, than there is actually cells in our body. So there are so many of them. They're not just in your gut flora in females. They're also in your vaginal tract. They're also oral in our oral tract and then they're also on our skin so gut back but gut microbiota very very prominent in our gut and it's very important small and or excuse me large intestine is where they're most commonly found if you have a lot of them in your small intestine that's actually when you have SIBO which is a whole nother a whole nother topic um but there's also a test for SIBO that we can do as well. Now, the last one, slash second to last one, is repair. And we're going to focus on repairing your small intestine and large intestine with lots of different agents that we can use. Um, if you have something called intestinal permeability or leaky gut, which used to be considered pseudoscience by conventional doctors. They didn't believe it was real. If you Google it, I think some people still say, no, it's a myth. It's not. Leaky gut isn't a thing. Leaky gut is kind of the common term, but intestinal permeability is the thing. But now it has been proven that the tight junctions, which is in between the cells of your small intestine where a lot of absorption takes place, um, it, it can become leaky and more larger molecules that aren't supposed to get there can absorb through and that's when you get a ton of food allergies. So if I do a finger prick test on someone to see if they have food intolerances and I see a whole bunch of things pop up, I'm going to be suspecting that this person has leaky gut because they they really should not be intolerant to this many things. But those tight junctions have become leaky. All of these food particles are leaking out into the bloodstream and your body is going to react to all of those large particles. Um, another kind of side trick there. But yes, um, we're going to work, work on repairing that small intestine and large intestine. And there's lots of different things we can use to do that. Um, glutamine is a, is a one that is really helpful. Um, in your large intestine, we want to make sure we focus on fiber and butyrate, which is the um, actual fuel or energy source for your um, colonocytes, so the cells in your colon. And interestingly, um, some of your bacteria in your gut, your good bacteria, actually help produce butyrate on their own. So when you take certain prebiotics that help increase the um, the uh, not I guess creation of the of the gut bugs, but basically help more of those. Um, bugs to populate and grow, they will then start producing butyrate on their own. So you can supplement with it. And then we also want to create that own, um, just your own uh, creation of them. I'm not finding the words for this. But um, another thing that we might look into for repairing is fasting or intermittent eating, um, time-restricted eating. There's lots of different names for it. Basically, we want to give your gut a break. Um, there's This is another controversial thing, especially um, with conventional dietitians. It used to be a common thought that we should eat every three hours to keep your quote-unquote metabolism going. For some people, this may be necessary. Um, however, Basically, your gut has a migrating motor complex and every three hours, it's going to go through and like make this pulsating motion to move the food down. And then three hours later, it's actually going to do that again to clear out the rest of the debris. So if we're eating every three hours, your body never gets that chance to rest and clear out it again a second time. Um, once again, I'm doing this without notes, but basically this is really important. So when you go longer between meals, I'm not talking about starving yourself. I'm just saying like 
maybe three meals a day without a lot of snacking, you're still getting your calories in those three meals. Um, that can sometimes help your gut as well because you're giving it a break and making sure everything is cleared out. Um, even simple things like chewing your food is so essential to gut health. <laughs> Just little things like that. Um, and then the fifth R is rebalance. And this is just an added one. And we're talking about just modifying your attitude, making sure that your diet is good and the lifestyle of the patient, because we know what's one of the biggest things that can disrupt your gut health is stress. I don't know if you've ever had the butterflies or the nervous poops. Okay. Your, your nervous system is in your gut as well. Serotonin, part of it is made in the gut. It's all connected. So I do think sometimes it's a shame that like if you have IBS, if you're a woman, if you've gone into the clinic, you're like, I have all these issues. And they say, oh, it's just your anxiety. Like that's, that's very disencouraging for someone. And it's not necessarily saying that you're making it up. It's all anxiety. No, but anxiety can contribute to your gut health and vice versa. It's not just all in your head. It is an issue, but all, all together, we do need to have this holistic approach in, um, Changing your lifestyle, making it less stressful, all can also help heal your gut and rebalance it all together. Okay, so maybe you're listening and you have your own gut issues and you want to start doing something to help feel better. Now, I always recommend first and foremost to go see um, a gastroenterologist because they're they can catch some of the more dangerous things going on. So. Um, obviously there's cancer, colon cancer, stomach cancer, those things that are emergency situations. Um, it's not necessarily that functional medicine can't help in emergency situations, but sometimes when we get to that point, um, we need more stronger interventions. Um, so secondly, um, even if you do come to a functional medicine doctor though, most people, they should be trained in some of those emergency signs. So we're going to get back a dual analysis for you from you and maybe your calprotectin is really high, your CRP is really high, your ESR is really high and all of those are fancy terms and just different ways of measuring inflammation. So if that's really high, if you have blood in your stool, that's a warning sign. Um, if you're losing weight really rapidly, that's a warning sign. Um, kind of those more alarm features. You need to get a colonoscopy done. You need to see a specialist. Um, so that's first and foremost. And two of the most um, that functional medicine does treat, but more of the severe severe things are IBD conditions. That's not IBS, it's IBD. Um, and that's most commonly ulcerated colitis and Crohn's disease. And this is going to be more of an intensive care, maybe a paleolithic diet, um, and different things that we can do to specifically treat that. Um, now going down a little further, maybe you're someone like me who's just kind of had these issues on and off, you know, can't really figure out what's going on. You've seen many doctors, you haven't really figured anything out. Um, now some of the more common things for that is a whole bunch of things, but SIBO is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. That's when those gut bugs migrate up to your small intestine and they're causing you issues. Um, also there's so many intolerances. You might be intolerant to something and you never realize it. Maybe you have celiac disease or more common, you're just intolerant to gluten. So eliminating things like dairy, um, or gluten, um, eggs is sometimes common. There's so many different things get can be that you wouldn't even know that maybe you're personally just not very tolerant to. Um, IBS is an interesting one. I won't talk about that today. Maybe I'll do a whole whole thing on IBS, but um, 
Also, like I mentioned, stress stress can be a contributor to gut issues. A lot of times it, it can be more than one as well. Dysbiosis, which just simply means your gut bacteria out of balance. Maybe there's pathogens or leaky gut going on. Those are just a few things off the top of my head that maybe could be going on that we could specifically treat. Um, But let's talk about some things that you can do right now to better your gut health. Just if you want an overall wellness, you know, the new year's coming up. We all want to have a healthy gut because it affects so much of our lives. So let's first talk about fixing the constipation that many people many people struggle with unfortunately in the american western world and that is because our lack of fiber so the number one thing that you can do right now to start improving your gut health is to eat more fiber okay i'm not talking about those fiber one granola bars you see at walmart that are just full of sugar i'm talking about eating more fruits and vegetables talking about eating more plant Based foods. Plants is what you're going to get your fiber from. Um, yeah, start eating more fruits and vegetables and all those good things. That's going to increase your fiber and help with constipation. Now, to know whether or not you actually are constipated or not, number one, you should be going to the bathroom, number two, okay, every single day. Um, that means you're moving well. Also, you can do a fun little test where you just eat some corn and see how long it takes from that corn to end up in your poo. Um, It's normally pretty distinguishable. Um, This is kind of a silly test, but it's an at-home easy thing you can do, and it should take around 24 to 48 hours for that healthy bowel movement. Um, And yes, you want to be going every day. So if you are someone who you know you don't go every day and you know it takes longer than that 24 or 48-hour range, then eat more plants to boost up that fiber. Also, movement can help with constipation. Simply moving your body every single day. Something simple as a walk in the morning can help get everything moving. And lastly is water. We all know that drinking more water is good for you. Have a water bottle with you throughout the day. Those fluids also help keep everything moving. Now, if you're someone who struggles with more diarrhea, um, check into those intolerances, making sure that you're not intolerant to things. If you've been having some bloating, um, gas, all those uncomfortable sort of things going on, just try maybe eliminating dairy and gluten. Those are probably the top two most common intolerances that you see. So try that for a little bit, see how you feel, and yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, Coffee can also sometimes contribute to that uh, more fast-moving digestion, so maybe watch that. That's something I have to watch, unfortunately. Also, stress. Make sure your stress level is lower. Your vagus nerve is all attached. Um, Do some meditation, some prayer, breathing, breathing. just whatever whatever de-stresses you. Um, also, our social media consumption and even what you watch can contribute to, to contribute to your stress. So actually relax. The, I have a question for you. Do you know how to relax without looking at a screen? That is some maybe that's my 2023 goal is and we all should have this goal maybe is relaxing without a screen. Do you know how to relax without a screen? Um, now some other things you can focus on diet wise is avoiding these three things that may specifically hurt your gut, which are sulfites, artificial sweeteners, and emulsifiers. Sulfites are something that are actually found in processed foods it helps preserve it and those things are not good for you at all there are some more natural brands however basically they're made from celery extract um, and they're really concentrated so they're still a type of sulfite um, 
sulfate and sulfite, I believe are the two, the two terms. Um, but that's not necessarily beneficial as well. I think there is a couple brands that actually are good for you, but I don't know them off the top of my head or at least better for you. Um, so watch your processed meat consumption. That's hot dog, sausage, ham, turkey, like all of those deli meats really is not good for your gut health. Um, another one, as I mentioned, is artificial sweeteners. Now these are, these are tricky ones. So there are more natural sweeteners such as stevia, monk fruit, honey, and maple syrup. And then there's also artificial sweeteners, which is more like, oh, sucrose um, is a big one. I'm not thinking of any others at the moment, but those are really bad for your gut. You also may be intolerant to those as well. And those can be found in your healthy foods, your protein bars, your protein powders. And we even saw one the other day that's from yogurt. So especially if they're advertising to be low sugar, check what sweeteners in there. Um, make sure those artificial ones are not disrupting your gut because if you're eating it for health, it may do the exact opposite. And the last one is emulsifiers. And unfortunately, <laughs> this one's found in ice cream a lot of times. Um, so finding those more natural brands, and obviously we all know sugar, sugar ain't good for anyone. It's not good for anything. That straight refined sugar. Um, so yeah, those are my, my tips for to you to improve your gut health. I always like to end on a more practical practical note of how you can um, be healthier today and fiber is probably the number one thing that y'all need more of um so yeah that's that's it that's all I have for today hopefully my lack of notes was not too um distracting with all of my ums and buts and howevers and all of those um but thank you so much for listening and I hope that your new year that's just around the corner is full of good healthy guts and we can all be healthier together and hey if you if you are someone who is struggling with an illness if you want to get healthy I just encourage you to go see a functional medicine provider check out the Yoast Wellness Center that's in my area um and I hope you have a wonderful new year and thank you so much for listening see ya